You're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes. 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 Welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you. I'm back. I am back. Keep clapping. Keep clapping because I'm back. Thank you for clapping. How would we know that you're happy that I'm back if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. I am so happy that you could be here tonight with me, Spike Cohen. Uh, As you know, I've been gone a couple of weeks. Uh, I uh, had to go out of town for a very Jewish thing. uh, And then I heroically fled uh, Hurricane Dorian the following week, um, single-handedly saving myself and my family uh, from its ravaging storminess. Uh, It was a very heroic deed for me. uh, But now I am back. Uh, this is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Anchor, on Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, all the podcasting apps. Check us out everywhere. Like us, follow us, give us five-star maximum rating. Uh, if it's 10 stars, give us that. Whatever the top star number is, give us that number of stars. Hit the bell, if applicable. Some of them have a bell that you have to hit. Be sure to hit the bell uh, and share this right now. The last thing I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This program is brought to you by Anchor, uh, which I will be plugging uh, later, roughly halfway through this program, probably at a very inappropriate moment. The intro and outro music for this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, be sure to uh, go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Purchase his entire discography. It's like $15. It's a bunch of songs. You will absolutely love it. Be sure to do that right after the show. Uh, thank you again, Mr. Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water that I drink on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans. That is beautiful drinking water. Thank you so much. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him as always. Guys, my guest tonight needs no introduction, and yet here I am continuing to talk. He has been running for public office since 1987. Uh, He has been a presidential candidate as a Republican, as a Democrat, and as an Independent. He's currently running uh, for the Libertarian Party nomination to be the next president. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show Mr. Vermin Supreme. Vermin, thank you for coming on. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yep, they can hear you now. Uh, so I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, I'm also grateful that we're doing this remotely uh, because I just washed my hair and I didn't want to be glitter bomb. So I appreciate that. Um, and guys, you, that's, that's, that's very smart. Yeah, uh, guys, be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts. 
and Vermin and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Vermin, this is your first time on the show, and the first thing I always ask my guests is to tell me how you describe your political beliefs, and then to tell me a little story, a ditty, if you will, uh, about how you came to those beliefs. Was it an aha moment or kind of a gradual evolution? Tell us your ditty. Well, sir, let me say this about that. I am a libertarian. I come from the left anarchist uh, perspective. Uh, that's where I cut my teeth. Okay. Uh, believer in uh, mutual aid and such things. And, of course, uh, up until, oh, maybe 2008, you might find uh, me saying uh, things about libertarians that were entirely uh, complimentary um, and such. However, I believe that, that these uh, beliefs that I had at that time were indeed a form of prejudice because I did not know any libertarians. Because, oh. of course, libertarians have a, a number of negative stereotypes with which they have to deal with on a daily basis and of which many uh, normal uh, people, if you will, uh, believe to be true. And uh, it took me quite a while uh, working with uh, various libertarians uh, over the years, uh, mainly up in New Hampshire, uh, uh associates in the uh, Free State Project and the like. And um, I have come around. I have uh, read the uh, Libertarian Party platform, and I was able to uh, dovetail many of my beliefs uh, into the Libertarian Party. I was a Libertarian, but did not even quite realize it. Um, The Libertarian Party uh, being one that uh, supports the individual, one that is against the state, that is against the war, that is against... uh, overreaching uh, government surveillance against the police state. Um, All of these things I had were me. And then uh, when I found out that these were things that I also had in common uh, with the Libertarian Party, um, I was able to integrate myself uh, with the party and uh, decided that I should continue my uh, never-ending campaign for the presidency uh, towards the Libertarian Party. That's cool. Now you've been. Now you didn't start running for president in 1987, but you ran for what mayor or something like that in 87. Um, yes, the, my first run was in 1987. I was running for uh, may, uh, mayor of Baltimore, Maryland. Ah. Um, it was not a political statement. It was uh, more of as a lark, uh, just uh, for something to do, something to entertain myself, um, and uh, that was that. So we we actually. Um, I, I, uh, pardon. Oh no! Uh, I was going to say. Uh, so you you ran in eighty seven. Uh, we my family uh, took five year old me and fled to Myrtle Beach from Baltimore. That's actually where I was born. And we fled in nineteen eighty eight. No doubt because you did not win the mayoral election. That's that's probably true. That uh, unfortunately, Mister Schmoke uh, was generally recognized as the mayor at that time. <laughs> uh, but it was indeed a, a very critical campaign. Um, it was very strange time in my life. I was sort of done with Baltimore and I was sort of planning my escape, but I had no plan to escape. Ah. Um, and so it, my life was sort of going to, to shit, you might say. And uh, at that time, that's when I declared that I was running for mayor just because I thought it was an interesting thing that might keep me there. Uh, but in the meantime, it was uh, 1986 at the uh, Great Peace March for Global Nuclear Disarmament, um, which was a protest march. Uh, that marched from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C., uh, uh-huh. rolled through town. 
And uh, essentially, one of my roommates came home and they brought some people from that march. And um, I went to Memorial Stadium and I saw this uh, amazing group of people, 5,000 people at that point with the entire infrastructure that was required to move such a large group of people down the road. Uh, right. There was obviously porta potty trucks, lots of them. They had their own sewer pumping uh, honey pot trucks. They had kitchens, uh, several kitchens. They had semi trailer trucks uh, hauling like people's uh, two milk crates of possessions that they were allowed to bring with them. Um, uh, you know, there, there was just this in very large social mobile movement. And uh, it was uh, a very inspirational thing to see. And when I saw that rolling through uh, Baltimore at that time, I immediately went to a thrift store. I picked up a clean uh, change of clothing. I picked up a cheap sleeping bag and I started walking uh, with the, the members of this uh, Great Peace March. I, I walked with them to D.C. Uh, there was a weekend of a civil disobedience. People uh, throwing their shoes that they had walked across the country with over the White House fence. Um, there was rallies and uh, it was uh, sort of the, the beginning of the height of the uh, anti-nuclear movement in the 80s. Right. Um, and I met some uh, some anarchists and I met some uh, a bunch of people that I, I know to this very day. Uh, they got together. They formed a small collective called Seeds of Peace. They were able to purchase uh, some of the logistical equipment, uh, including a kitchen trailer, uh, a big water uh, tank and a uh, porta potty truck, six, uh, six or eight porta potties on a truck. And uh, so they were able to they wanted to continue the work of us of. Uh, sustaining uh, these mobile protest marches. Right, and right. So, uh, yes? No, I said right. Oh, right. And uh, so I started, uh, I joined this collective and started, uh, uh, I joined them in their first march, which was from Kings Bay, Georgia, uh, where they were deploying the uh, nuclear submarines down to Cape Canaveral, where uh, they were testing the Trident D-5 uh, first strike missiles at the time. And uh, at the end of the march, um, all, a number of people actually went back country and uh, infiltrated uh, the Cape Canaveral Air Force Base in order to uh, disrupt the uh, planned tests of the Trident oh, wow. D-5 missiles. And uh, so that sort of introduced me to uh, my life of activism. And uh, from there, I started uh, doing other uh, another peace march in Michigan and then one in uh New England. And uh, I met my wife uh, during this time. Um, I also started uh, attending uh, rainbow gatherings. Are, are you familiar with the, uh, the rainbow family of living love and light and their uh, gatherings? Is that the, these are the uh, hippies that like a few thousand of them go into like national parks and stuff every once in a while. Uh, national forests, national uh, not forest, so much yeah. national parks, uh, okay, but okay. yes, uh, imagine if you will, three to 4,000 people in uh, concentric circles having dinner um, up to a hundred different kitchens in the woods, uh, scattered through the woods, wow. uh, bringing uh, five-gallon buckets down to this uh, dinner circle. Right. Uh, Four thousand people getting fed. Also during this uh, circle, people are going around giving information announcements, and the magic hat goes around. And because right, they're right. non-commercial events, uh, because they're held on uh, public land, um, there's no way to. There's no. Uh, commerce occurring yeah, because that would endanger our ability to uh, gather on the land. And so oh, the only okay. way, thing you can do with your money is to throw it into the magic bucket. And uh, so the magic bucket goes around. Uh, 
the money is collected. It goes to the banking council. The banking council counts the money. They announce the uh, money that they've made. Um, then they interface with the supply council. And then the supply council meets up with the kitchen council, where all the 100 kitchens send representatives uh, with uh, uh, their shopping list. The shopping list goes to the main supply. Main supply goes to town with the money, comes back with the supply. It goes out to the kitchens. The kitchens cook it up and then bring it down. And that's sort of the cycle how it occurs. Um, and also this money is used to buy a uh, water pipe because uh, there are is literally miles of water pipe. Uh, the Rainbow family uh, ends up tapping springs so that there is running water to these kitchens. Um, so there, so everybody can uh, wash their hands and, right, uh, and, right. and, and it's, it's a beautiful anarchistic organism. Right, it is a, right. a temporary autonomous zone. Yeah. Uh, no one is in charge and things only get done because, um, People get together and uh, and counsel up and decide how to get this done, and uh, so it was sort of this uh, in that environment where I started to learn to be a real crazy wacky clown, uh, because it's sort of rainbow gatherings. You can sort of make your own reality, and uh, part of my reality became uh, being a funny clown, uh, c- coming up with uh, amusing little entertaining bits, and going from camp to camp and group to group, and. Uh, and entertaining them. I also continued my stagecraft uh, in Baltimore. I was uh, uh, ran a couple of nightclubs and I was uh, doing the door and uh, doing the uh, doing the introduction work and the MC duties. And so I started uh, hosting and emceeing talent shows at the Rainbow Gathering uh, because there's a lot of it. It's not electric entertainment. It's all acoustic and uh, a lot of talent shows and things. So there's stages and um, started working that angle of it. Right, uh, right. And also, of course, so this was a several year period where I was out at the Nevada nuclear test site um, in the early 90s, where we, we could where literally thousands of people were getting arrested, uh, crossing into the Nevada nuclear test site, going back country at the Nevada nuclear test site, doing uh, symbolic civil disobedience. Um, and it was a very exciting time. And I was also uh, bringing in my clowning skills and my uh candidacy uh for uh various offices into these uh politically charged uh in uh tense situations Mm -hmm. um and and uh also after a while um in the rainbow gatherings i also it came to my attention uh that one of the many services that we provide for our own selves at these events is security and uh security is of course a very important thing um and so I started working with the Shante Sina, which is a Sanskrit for peacekeeper or some other uh, cultural appropriation uh, phrase. Um, but part of this, uh, it, you know, it's, it's essentially crisis counseling. It's camp counseling. It's really a glorified camp counselor on steroids, if you will. Um, and it's sort of like trying to deal with conflict, uh, diffuse uh, neighborhood situations, domestic disputes, uh, things of this nature. Uh, but one of the other uh, services that we provide is escorts. Uh, no, 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 we're not providing escorts, but we're providing I was say, escorts. That would services. be that would be quite a conflict resolution. Would be to have <laughs> yes, some it would. Uh, but we escort uh, the media. If, if media is coming in to uh, check it out, the scene, we uh, usually uh, um, try and have some uh, peacekeeper with them because a lot of the rainbow people are very uh, uh, freak uh, skittish about uh, having their pictures taken and things like that. So right. it, it's good to warn them that. Uh, the media is going to take pictures or whatever. Right. And another uh, group uh, in particular that gets escorted through our gatherings uh, is the police. 
And so uh, I found myself spending, uh, you know, an eight hour shift uh, escorting, uh, being uh, walking with the cops, uh, you know, eight uh, uh, Alabama state troopers or, you know, just all sorts of various, very uptight cops uh, walking into the gathering. And it would give me the opportunity uh, to number one, uh, warn the people that they were coming uh, in, in the rainbow. We, we yell out six up as a warning to people so they can uh, leash their dog and hide their drugs and, and what have you. And uh, also propagandize uh, the police and um, and use my humor as I was learning uh, to uh, in, in the clowning situation uh, to help uh, facilitate a, a smooth uh, move for these folks through sometimes hostile crowds and the like. Right, right, right. And uh, and so doing this, I mean, that sort of prepared me and uh, made me feel very comfortable uh, dealing with cops on, on a, not comp- confrontational, but more, more of an oppositional uh, yet respectful uh, type of calling them out on shit and things of that nature uh, with humor. And that prepared me to bring that uh, those skills. I mean, essentially what I am is sort of a sum of a skill set that I have to uh, developed it and picked up and perfected if you will over the years right and um, i was able to bring these skills out into riot world and of course in riot world there's a a oftentimes a lot of tense situations between uh, the police and the protesters and uh and there's oftentimes there's a vacuum between the two and uh in that vacuum pretty much anything could happen and will happen yeah. Uh, you know, maybe a, a cop will take a cheap shot with their pepper spray or maybe somebody will throw something at the cops or right. uh, you know, anything. And and, um, and it's and then it becomes this tit for tat thing. And, it, and it's essentially it's a script. And if you've got an idea of what the script is going to be, um, I have found that you can sort of step in and uh, preempt it or change it. And uh, so I, I have found myself uh, occupying this space uh, between the protesters, between the cops. Um, in an attempt to keep it chill, if you will. Um, and this, of course, uh, was back in the day when uh, peacekeepers and uh, parade marshals, you know, they were part of, uh, of protest uh, marches uh, and, and they, you know, people helping facilitate crowds to freely exercise their First Amendment rights. Right. And uh, after all, you know, all, and then bringing in the, the politician thing into it and uh, all of these things. And it just seemed to be this uh, really tricky way of uh, de-escalating some really crazy situations over the years. Very cool. So that brings us to your current run for the White House. Now, I've done an extensive amount of research uh, on you and your platform, and I got a contact high from it. So thank you for that. Uh, Your platform seems to be built around four main things in your agenda. And the first and most prominent one, of course, being what you describe as a pony-based economy or ponynomics. Tell us a little about ponynomics. Well, uh, the first thing that you need to understand about ponynomics, because many people always say to me, Vermin, are we really going to be used ponies for currency? And I say, don't be ridiculous until we can make them very small, of course. Uh, ponies. And right. We have people working on that naturally. Uh, but the thing to understand about a pony based economy is that they are free ponies, of course. Number one, they're, uh, they're absolutely free. Uh, they come from other ponies. Uh, when a boy pony meets a girl pony, well, they get together and, you know, and they 
do the thing and right, right. You know, I, love that. Oh, I, I could get rather graphic and sometimes I do, but we'll just uh, leave it at that for now. Okay. And uh, 11 months uh, gestation periods later, well, uh, a free pony uh, comes out of the, uh, the mama pony. So uh, that, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a fact of nature and, and it's uh, the, the basis of the free uh, pony based economy. Um, now, once everybody has uh, their own personal free pony, well, we own the ponies, essentially. And when you own something, uh, you also own the equity that exists uh, in that object or, or, or thing. And uh, so we have equity in our ponies. So naturally, once we've established equity in our ponies, we will be able to borrow against it. So we will be borrowing against the equity that our ponies that we've received for free uh, possess. Now, once we have established pony-based debt, well, that is where things get very interesting. Because as we all know, debt is essentially a currency in and of its own. I mean, nations run on it, banks run on it collection agencies run on it so once we establish pony-based debt then we are going to be able to create all sorts of pony-based debt financial instruments we're going to bring in the 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 smartest and and the smartest of the smartest to to make up a pony default triple a uh default swaps and uh you know trouble pony assets and And, uh, all sorts of pony things like pony 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 pawn shops pony pawn shops all these things and uh essentially what it's going to do is going to create a pony-based bubble in the economy. And as everybody knows, uh, a bubble is one of the most wonderful things to have in your economy at the time that it is in your economy. Because what it means is that the economy is red hot. It means that everybody's working. All all cylinders are firing. Everybody's making lots of money. Uh, The the stock market's going up and up and up. And uh, the important thing to realize about this particular pony-based economy bubble is that it will be reinforced, steel belted, and last forever. Thank that's, you. I'm Grand Supreme. I support a pony-based economy. That sounds amazing. And so you, you break it down into the universal pony healthcare system, social pony security, uh, the federal hay stamp program. Now there are. Oh yes. In fact, I, I've, I've been elaborating on the the. Uh, the universal uh, pony care uh, proposal. And of course it does involve one apple per person per day, a sugar cube, if you really deserve it. And uh, unfortunately, if you break your leg, we will have to put you down. Um, that's, that's just the government death panel thing. Yeah. For you. Now yeah. wait just one second, because some other journalists and professional pundits out there in the lamestream media might be willing to let you get away with, without asking you the hard questions about ponynomics, but not on an August program such as mine. Uh, I'm seeing a very gleaming omission here uh, and I'm not going to let it pass. Gleaming you... like uh, someone's shiny, shiny teeth, perhaps. Ex- no. Well, my question is this, do you, or do you not plan to give free ponies to illegal aliens? Well, once again, of course, uh, they, they, I was thinking uh, more along the lines of uh, burrows would be probably more appropriate for the uh, illegal Mexican immigrants. That's, that's actually And ultimately, uh, with, with a magic uh, lingo, I mean, uh, we, we could make every illegal uh, immigrant legal just uh, by fiat, uh, just by saying so, just by magically passing some legislation. I mean, can a human being really be illegal? Not with a pony. Not with a pony. Not with a pony. No, uh, sorry. So 
I shared your Ponynomics platform with my wife, and I, I'm not going to lie. She was very concerned about potential animal welfare issues. Namely, uh, how is a Supreme Administration going to make sure the ponies are well cared for? And precisely, what do you plan to do with all the pony poop? Well, once again, of course, the, the pony poop is uh, going to provide valuable methane gas um, once it's processed. And it will uh, add wonderful compost uh, to re-up uh, America's uh, soil that's been wasted by a big agribiz. Um, and all Americans will be uh, unemployed. Uh, Americans will be conscripted into the Pony Poop Collection Corps of America, uh, providing uh, 100% unemployment. Uh, I, I'm sorry, 100% employment. It's, it's a jobs creation program. And so the, the poop won't be in the street for long. No, there'll be pony poop collection facilities uh, every few hundred feet or so. So, okay, now- so there is that. And as far as the uh, uh, pony welfare, I mean, of course, people, are, uh, people will have a self-interest in making sure that their pony is taken care of and well fed. Uh, it's all it's the invisible hooves. The invisible hooves of the marketplace will guarantee people taking care of that very valuable asset uh, that they own and that they'll be able to borrow against and, and love and, and have and, and cherish uh, because ponies are, are really uh, nice, I, I think. We, we can all agree on that. Now, my one of my uh, actually one of our sponsors, uh, personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Uh, he oh my to, neck! Ow! Ow! If you live anywhere, if you live in Florida, friend, call Chris Reynolds. Uh, Chris asks. He says this sounds a little bit like pony slavery. What say you to that? Well, there is that aspect of it. I, I will not deny it. However, I believe the important thing to ask yourself is. Are you familiar with the, uh, the the movie series, The Planet of the Apes? Yes. Yes. Uh, so you see, it is almost essential uh, to enslave uh, uh, an, a non-human animal race in order for it to evolve rapidly and rise up against its humans' uh, taskmasters. Oh. So ultimately, it's sort of a long-range uh, plan in order to... Um, create a pony dominance o- over the humans it may take a few generations but i'm willing to take that risk pony liberation yes we must enslave them first before we can liberate them through a full-on pony uh, based revolution but that's long in the future we don't have to worry about that that's something for your grandchildren to to deal with do you it's consider, be great for you do you consider yourself a furry um no i do not consider i i obviously am fairly furry and once again i'm uh, mr october in this uh, coming year's libertarian, libertarian dad, dad bod, bod calendar uh look it up on uh facebook libertarian dad bod yeah oh yeah you were ready with that one. Oh, oh yeah goodness. i'm ready i was ready Woo-hoo! so so there so that's an exciting sneak preview on that one <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, cool. Um, I, I can't this, get the feeling, but I'm changing the subject, and I can never remember what the original subject is. But uh, I've, I don't. I've, it, I'm sure it was very important. Uh, the second platform of your very aggressive agenda is what you call the war on plaque. Many of my followers are concerned, of course, that your plan to force everyone to brush and floss their teeth could be perceived as authoritarian. Can you present the libertarian argument for mandatory toothbrushing? Of course not. 
Thank you. I very much agree. Thank you. Well, once again, it's an important. I mean, I know libertarians are very reasonable people. I mean, they're they're (laughs) they're very aware. They're they're very woke, if you will, and uh, they understand that uh, a little bit authoritarianism is good for you. I I think we can all agree for that. I mean, (laughs) otherwise, uh, I mean, are you really going to brush your teeth? Are you going to make your bed? Are you going to put your clothes away? Oh, come on, mom! I don't want to. Well, let me sleep a little more. We all need a little bit of authoritarianism in our life. Am I right, parents? And uh, so, yeah, as far as nanny states go, I, I believe it's important that uh, you, give, you give the the government just a, a little bit of leeway. And I mean, in what they do for your protection, your protection, for just your the, protection, for you the- and your children's protection. Who else is going to save you some from black? Is it going to be you, your neighbors? Is it going to be flossing? Or will it be, be the government that, that brings this to you? Gingivitis has been eroding the gum line of this great nation of ours for long enough and must be stopped. For too long, our country has been suffering a great oral and moral decay in spirit and incisors. A country's future depends on its ability to bite back. We can no longer be a nation indentured. Our very salivation is at stake. Won't you join me as we cross over the bridge work into the 23rd century? Let us bite the bullet and brace ourselves as we become a sea of shining, smiling faces from sea to shining, smiling, 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 shiny, shiny, smiling, smiling, shiny, shiny, smiling, 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 shiny, shiny, smiling sea. Now, once again, of course. This mandatory toothbrush law is not about the secret dental police kicking down your door at 3 a.m. to make sure that you have brushed. No, no, it's not about the preventative dental maintenance detention facilities. No, it is absolutely not. It's not about the dental re-education centers. It's not about the government-issued toothpaste containing an addictive yet harmless substance. No, it's not even about the DNA gene splice and greater waste a race of winged monkeys to act as tooth fairy enforcers. What this mandatory toothbrushing law is really all about is strong teeth for a strong America. Thank you. I'm Vermin Supreme. Interesting side note. Uh, the mandatory toothbrushing law uh, has been one of my longest uh, planks. Um, it was part of my 1987 uh, mayoral campaign, uh, a reference to it. And uh, it was inspired by uh, Massachusetts, uh, the uh, one of the first states in the nation that implemented a mandatory seatbelt law. And one of those uh, uh, stickers that they put out, a bumper sticker, said, buckle up, it's the law. And it occurred to me at that time that, boy, that's a pretty stupid law. Maybe it makes a lot of sense, but does it need to be a law? Right. And uh, what could be a stupider law? And yes, friends, the mandatory toothbrushing law uh, sprang forth. And um, I've I've been a little blessed with coming up with these uh, very uh, simple, elegant uh, and effective uh, devices that seem to have a a great resonance, Uh, you know, a toothbrush. Uh, everybody brushes their teeth every day. We can only hope. So, you know, people hold a toothbrush. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, when I traveled Euroland, I, I hit 22 different countries and I translated the phrase, brush your teeth. It's the law. And people understood that. People got it. You know, when you right. start talking about secret dental police, people get it. Right. Um, essentially, uh, you know, it, I, it, the mandatory toothbrushing law was the entire text of the Patriot Act. Uh, they simply stripped out the, uh, the dental stuff. Um, so yes. So, uh, and speaking of which, speaking of the Patriot Act, Patriot Act, as I'm sure you know, 
Uh, today is the 18th anniversary of 9-11. Do you remember what you had for lunch today? There were no towers. For lunch? I'm just saying, there okay. were no towers. Ever? Ever. Okay. Thank you. I had a nice filet of smoked salmon uh, topped with sauerkraut and a bowl of blackberries. Now, one of the uh, another one of your platforms. Really nice. You, of, you they, know, there, there's there's a bagel store in uh, in Chicago that is named a sandwich after me. True what, fact. Called the Vermin Supreme. I think they call it uh, something else, but it's uh, <laughs> it has my picture on it. Oh, cool. Uh, That's nice. I like that. So, another one of your lesser. Uh, agendas is the what you call the all-out war on the godless red Chinese bastards in order to recapture our national debt and manufacturing base initiative, or uh, A O W O T G R C B I O T R C O N D A small A M B I, uh, which is conveniently also the address to your Bitcoin wallet. Um, do you have anything you want to share? About A-O-W-O-T-G-R-C-B-I-O-T-R. Well, I, I believe uh, I have moderated my opinions uh, since the, that time. Uh, I believe oh, you okay. may be uh, reading from my 2008 Project Vote Smart uh, entry. Is that true? I, I'm not sure. It was somewhere on the internet and it had your face on it. Yeah. Well, uh, of course, uh, the, the Chinese are now our friends and our, our massive trading partners and, and, okay. and tariff partners and all that good stuff. Uh, so I think we like the, the godless uh, red Chinese communist bastards now. I think they're uh, our, our number one trading partner. Uh, so now it's all about Narnia. I, I've focused on Narnia and Middle Earth. And uh, we're not going to stop until we take them all out, until we get every last orc. I think that that's very reasonable. So this is the time that I will be doing a shameless plug. Hey, gang, are you thinking of starting a podcast? Well, I hope to hell you are, because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your home or computer. They have creation tools, you see, that allow you to record and edit your podcast, so it sounds great. Uh, They'll distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard everywhere, from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Now, I know what you're thinking, friend. No minimum listenership? Great day in the morning! Well, you're going to have a great day in the morning, too, when you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. To get started, just as soon as this program is over, do not leave until this program is over. Vermin, I've never lied in my entire life, and I refuse you, to you start make, now. Do you make money off your podcast? I do, with no minimum listenership. Wow, that's very yeah. cool. It's tell me one, more. How, how do I begin? Well, Vermin, I'll tell you what. All you got to do is go to the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right. I'm going to do Thank that you. as soon as the, as soon as this podcast ends. I hey, cannot hope you tune into my new podcast. <laughs> and I we will give the link to that. Now, Vermin, I've never lied in my entire life. I refuse to start now. Many of my fr- fans and followers have expressed some very deep reservations with me, both publicly and privately, about my having you on the show. Some of them think that you're damaging the liberty movement, that major media is seizing upon your candidacy and the the silly parts of your platform to try to make the Libertarian Party and libertarianism in general look like a joke. What do you say to people who are understandably concerned that you may be uh, spoiling the work that they're that they've done to grow the party? Well, let me say this about that. I respectfully disagree. Okay. Um, this run, this campaign uh, seeking the Libertarian Party nomination 
is arguably uh, my first real campaign. I okay. mean, it, it's a natural extension of 30 years of campaigning for the presidency. Um, and it feels very natural. And I don't believe it is a, a detriment to the Libertarian Party. Um, I am making an offer, if you will. I mean, I've been, spent these 30 years. I have developed a character. I have developed a universe. Um, and I have developed quite a fan base. Um, and this year, out of all the years, um, I have an actual Libertarian-based campaign staff. And they are very confident uh, in my abilities to present the uh, libertarian message to the public at large. I believe that I am indeed um, in a very good place to be able to present uh, the, the planks of the Libertarian Party platform, uh, because in my estimation, um, if I am chosen to front the Libertarian Party, I will indeed uh, be focusing on the Libertarian Party platform, in addition to the zombies and ponies and stuff. Um, by using little skits and, and little uh, plays and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, my, my demographic is, is uh, mainly young people. Right. And uh, I, I look at the, the current field, and it's certainly nothing against the current field, but uh, the bubble with which I have surrounded myself uh, do indeed believe that I am possibly the only candidate with enough name recognition uh, to potentially get 5% of the general election vote. And of course, 5% is the gold standard for a Libertarian Party candidate. That that 5% assures uh, ballot access for, right. for the following four years. Um, the, the figures that I throw around are that there are 3.9 million high school kids graduate a year. Give me two of those years, 2019-2020, uh, that's about 8 million kids. Add them on to the 17 million uh, kids who are attending college in any given year. That's a pool of about 25 million voters. If I can get one out of four of those kids to vote for me, that equals the 6.5 million voters that equals 5%. Now that does not uh, exclude, uh, or that does not include uh, the amazing millions and millions of people that, that do not vote, did not vote. Uh, and it also does not begin to touch um, my nerd fan base essentially uh you know my the people who appreciate what i do sort of fall under this giant umbrella and there's are like all these counter culture um subcultures uh, from right. crypto nerds to uh magic the card game nerds to uh, to uh to demolition derby nerds to uh roller derby girl nerds uh to uh comic-con nerds right. um, you know all these uh, beautiful people uh, but they're all united under this sort of geek slash nerd banner I, i'm not saying that in any sort of derogatory fashion right uh, but i believe that uh, my campaign has the potential uh, to become a, a viral sensation I, I believe it has the ability uh, to really catch on uh, for the those malcontents and discontents and the disillusioned and the disgusted and the people who have had uh, just enough with the system such as it is. Um, I also understand that there is, is a major concern uh, amongst uh, Libertarian and party members um, that can a serious party uh, put up a person who is perceived to be a joke candidate and not be perceived uh, as a joke party. And I believe that it is purely in the framing. And I believe that it could be framed so that it could be successful. It could be something as simple as, yes, we are the Libertarian Party. 
we are a party of ideas, ideals, and uh, values. And we believe in certain things and we act on these things and we strive to, to make the world a better place. However, pivot, uh, the current duopoly presidential election system has indeed risen to the level of, the, of a joke. And with love and spite, here's Vermin Supreme. And uh, essentially, I'm not out to troll the Libertarian Party. I am out offering my services uh, to help the Libertarian Party troll America and the uh, American <laughs> process. Um, you know, I mean, I think that the hurdles uh, that are in front of me are, are, are conceptual. I believe right. it's, uh, um, you know, it, it's definitely trying something very different. And uh, but it's something that I and others believe uh, could be successful. And um, I believe that the Libertarian Party could certainly survive uh, a vermin supreme uh, candidacy. And uh, if uh, I receive this uh, honor and this nomination, I will do everything within my ability and powers uh, to uh, to make it successful, make it a successful run. And uh, oftentimes, even in the past, um, during interviews and, and things, you know, I make it clear that I am not a representative libertarian, uh, you know, or representative of the Libertarian Party. But if right. I am chosen to be the representative, um, I will make these things very clear. Um, you know, people are concerned. I've been, you know, I've attended eight different libertarian state conventions uh, over the past year. And, um, you know, a very important part of that is uh, our strategy of just simply showing the people that I don't have a boot attached to my head all the time. I really don't. Don't tell this anybody. Breaking news. Breaking okay. news, everyone. So, anyway. Uh, yeah. No, no screenshots of that, please. But, you know, and, and that I am not my character. I mean, right. many people only know me from the memes. They only know me from the video snippets. Right. And they only have these 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 uh, prejudices, these predetermined understanding of what it is that I'm doing. Um, so, you know, I'm not always on. I'm not always disruptive. I'm a very reasonable man. I'm a highly respected political satirist. Ask anyone. And uh, I do have a legitimate offer that I am putting on the table. You know, I do have this thing that I have developed and I am willing to harness it or allow the Libertarian Party to harness it for their purposes. Okay, fair enough. Now, there has been some concern about your aesthetic. Do you think that spray painting yourself orange would make you more electable? Um, I think it's actually rolling around in actual Cheeto dust, and it, it will make you much tastier also. Uh, <laughs> people will want to lick you all over and uh, certainly lick the boot because I, I think uh, America oh. really wants to lick the boot. Lick the boot. That's why, because it tastes like Cheetos. I never even thought about that. Now, let's be serious for a moment here. Is this all just a big rent-seeking ploy from Big Pony to goose their pony profits? I, well, um, I do have some futures in pork bellies. Uh, you know, I will not deny that, uh, but I will put them in a blind trust uh, once the pony-based economy gets going, certainly. <laughs> that's, um, that's, yeah. I, I think Dental, that's... big pony, all of it. So a blind trust, so it's a, it's a fair compromise. Now, the, the third and fourth platform... Or at least your... I'll poke the eyes out of the trust. What's that? I'll, I'll poke the trust in the eyes. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's, I think that's how that works. Now, the third and fourth platforms on your agenda, of course, are harnessing zombies for unlimited energy and going back in time to kill baby Hitler. These seem pretty self-explanatory to me, but feel free to add anything you think needs to be said about either of those. 
Well, of course, uh, zombie power, it's, it's clean, it's green, it's uh, carbon neutral. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they, they occasionally fall apart, uh, but, you know, you just got to put them back together again or create more zombies. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's uh, going to pick up our fuel uh, dependence and it's, it's going to be great. Um, time travel, of course, once that's uh, underway, all things are possible. And uh, I do believe, in fact, that there has indeed been a small tear in the time-space continuum. Uh, and let me assure you that I do have a number of very smart scientists in the past and the present and the future working to remedy this situation. And I do believe that we will return to a vermin supreme presidency any moment now. I apologize for any <laughs> inconvenience in the interim. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, speaking of zombies and Hitler, uh, you and I are both going to be zombie in Hitler. Where zombie Hitler? Well, uh, let me show you. Uh, we're both going to be in the Libertarian Dad Bod calendar, uh, as you had mentioned before. Uh, you'll be Mister October. You're you're on the left, and uh, I, of course, will be Mister April on the right. Uh, tell America why they desperately need our bodies. Well, you got to masturbate over something, people. And here we are, giving something <laughs> that you, the American public, can fap over. What could be better than that? That is as horrifying as any answer I could have given. Thank you. Uh, Vermin, a yeah, lot no, of... The, the, the Free American Pony uh, Party does spell fap. I think you should know that. Thank you. Um, Berman, a lot of blame games and finger pointing between boomers and millennials have been going on. Boomers are blaming millennials. Millennials are blaming boomers. Sometimes Generation X and Gen Z get thrown into it occasionally. Why is no one putting the blame on the silent generation where it belongs? Yeah, that would be a lot easier. Uh, th those chumps that, uh, you know, Eli Whitney, he invented the cotton gin. I think he deserves a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the... the the credit for the downfall of society. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people. Alexander Graham Bell, uh, he, he, he directly uh, started that whole cell phone thing eventually. Um, yeah. Um, Henry Ford, for example, troublemaker. Uh, yeah. Andrew Carnegie, troublemaker. Uh, yeah. yeah. All those, all those things. But yeah. once we get the time travel system up and running, Oh, yeah. Think things are going to be going good. Yes, right. absolutely. Right. All, and once all, again, I would like to point out that uh, zombie technology is infallible. There has never been an accidental zombie release uh, from a FEMA-licensed zombie turbine facility. Thank you. Yes. All I'm saying is Fred Rogers got off real easy, really. That's 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 all I'm trying to say there. Now, you yeah. have, in the past, you referred to yourself as— day in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. Is it really a beautiful day, sir? Uh, now, in the past, you've referred to yourself as a friendly fascist as opposed to unfriendly facet fascists such as Mussolini and Chris Christie. Do you can still consider yourself a friendly fascist? And if so, tell us a little about friendly fascism. Well, I, I, I do, in fact, uh, still use the uh, tagline. And I, I just believe that if, if you're going to be uh, lorded over or, you know, uh, give your life over to some authoritarian uh, individual that you, you should at least have a, a simulated personal feel good relationship about that person. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, when, when the boot is uh, 
on your neck, uh, the person with the boot on, on your neck sh- should be smiling and, and asking if, if you're comfortable because that's only that right. That seems there. fair. That's only fair. That's only fair. I think that's only fair. If, it, if someone's going to oppress you at the threat of, of harm and death uh, and rob you, then they should be nice about it. Yes, it's it's one of the themes that I often bring up uh, to the uh, riot police uh, or, or just the police that are trying to uh, uh, round us all up or whatever. I, I do like to point out that I do expect a certain level of professionalism uh, in the uh, in my oppression. Uh, thank you very much. I think that that's only fair. I think that, you know, why, why be unfair in that situation? Um, now, speaking of which, as you had mentioned before, and for those who don't know, you, you have a history of de-escalation of tension between police and protesters. There's actually recently, uh, uh, about a year or two ago, well, uh, two years ago now, there was a, a video, uh, which I was not able to find just the clip of it, uh, but you even stopped a group of, uh, Antifa, I think they were Antifa protesters, from basically pummeling a Trump supporter during uh, the Trump inauguration. There was this thing called the Deplora Ball uh, which was a, a Trump supporters celebrating his inauguration. Antifa showed up. I guess they cornered one of them, and and you're basically there defusing it, stopping them from you know beating this guy into ending up in the hospital. Um, I find it very interesting to watch. I want to get your thoughts on this. This this I know it's not necessarily a new phenomena, but it's new in it, being an older millennial and for people younger than me, this is kind of a new phenomena for us watching private citizens sort of dressing up in costumes and beating each other up in the streets while their actual oppressors who are in uniform, uh, the actual people who rob and subjugate them kind of stand by and play referee. What are your thoughts on all of this and how this is playing out? Well, I, I, I will point out that Europe has football hooligans. Right. Um, and they are an extreme, they're extremely violent gangs. I, I think the, the football hooligans um, they seem to get a lot more, uh, they a lot more violence out than uh, many of the uh, street fighters here in America. Not to justify it or, or minimize it in any way, right, shape, right. or form. Um, but uh, you know, the, the inter-protester violence, it, it is sort of a new and uh, interesting and uh, disturbing uh, trend. Um, the the uh, one, the incident you are calling forth uh, did in fact happen uh, at the deplorables um and i think uh, primo nutmeg still has uh, that footage up or at least their angle of it uh, james aslop uh, he had the other angle and i think he was with that gentleman and um i believe he's been deplatformed i believe the oh, youtube okay. uh, that's probably why i couldn't find i couldn't find it i know i've seen it before but i couldn't find the actual footage Yes, uh, that, so the uh, w- one of the angles uh, doesn't exist anymore. The ah. other angle still does. Okay. And uh, essentially, um, what I saw, I did see that guy getting getting a little bit beat up there, a little bit hit with sticks. Uh, he was a little bloody. Um, and then um, when I came up upon him, they were he was with uh, his guys, and they were just trying to figure out what to do. And uh, my assessment was that he was a shit magnet and they should get him the fuck out of there. Um, And and in many instances, that's often the best solution. And that was uh, that was the solution that I offered them. Um, That was the words that I had with them. And uh, by telling them that uh, the guy was a shit magnet and they should get him him the fuck out of there. um, I did get credit for uh, saving him from from a beating that he might have got if he continued not to get the fuck out of there. So right. a lot of these things are common sense, really. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, I tend to agree with that. I have some follower questions. Uh, I actually had quite a few of them, which I have condensed into, they're basically many variations of why are you literally ruining everything, which I, I think that we've already addressed at this point. I think, I think we've addressed the why are you destroying everything. Uh, I mean, once again, I mean, my involvement with the Libertarian Party uh, started when certain members reached out to me uh, for various things. Uh, Boomer Shannon from from California, um, he was instrumental in in bringing me into the party. Uh, we worked on a uh, uh, he had me uh, do a fundraiser uh, for the Southern California Libertarian Party a, a few years back. And I was sort of the, the guest uh, that people were paying big money for uh, to attend an event for. And he raised a, a chunk of change for uh, for the Southern um, California Libertarian Party at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2016, uh, Trent Psalms, uh, former uh, leader of the uh, or of the uh, Youth Caucus, uh, he reached out to me, I believe it was when he was working with the uh, International Students for Liberty Conference. Right. And uh, the International Students for Liberty Conference brought me uh, to their event. They, they've, they've got uh, enough of me to fly me and my wife down and uh, put us up in a hotel room. And uh, I was given carte blanche to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and uh, the, 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 during the opening of their events, I was to interrupt the president of the uh, organization's speech. And so I did that, and I did it with uh, one of my scorching uh, renditions of the Star-Spangled Banner um, over the bullhorn, complete with the the Jimi Hendrix feedback, uh, which I'm surprised is not uh, more controversial in its own right. Uh, But all those kids uh, seemed to enjoy the hell out of it. And I spent a a wonderful weekend uh, meeting uh, all these uh, libertarian young people. And once again, it was an eye-opener. You know, that and, uh, you know, my learning from the uh, libertarians in New Hampshire, um, you know, it, it opened my eyes to how much support and uh, love that I had in the libertarian party. And that led to me uh, directly attending um, the libertarian party national convention in Orlando in 2016. Um, and that was a, a very wonderful event there, there is simply no other political party that would have allowed me to get away with uh, having such wacky fun and hijinks with the very convention, the conventions of a convention itself. Right. Um, it was, I mean, at one point uh, during the Bill Weld's uh, nomination, I was uh, walking around the convention hall with a chair high above my head, high above my boot, walking it around. And I, I was essentially referencing uh, the Bernie Bernie bro alleged chair throwing incident that occurred a, a little bit earlier than that. Oh, okay. And, and nobody, nobody cared. Everybody thought it was fine. And, um, and what I came to understand was that uh, pretty much half the people there at, at the convention very much enjoyed the fact that I was there and was right. loving me having so much fun with them. Uh, the other half did not like it very much at all. Uh, however, the half that very much enjoyed it very much enjoyed the fact that the other half, the other half was not it. enjoying it. Right. Um, so it also became a, a little bit clear that, you know, perhaps I was a, a little bit of a wedge issue, perhaps. Uh, however, I do believe that um, I have an undeniable 
uh, support in the Libertarian Party. Uh, there is a, a serious, there is a appreciable number of individuals who absolutely do support my candidacy. And as right. a result, um, you know, I have gathered or people have volunteered. I mean, uh, my campaign manager, Desiree, Lindsay, asked, you know, she approached me and asked me if I wanted to make a serious run for the Libertarian Party nomination. Right. And uh, and she has de- developed that into uh, an actual thing and has been guiding it. And uh, at this point, uh, you know, in any given online poll, which, of course, doesn't count for much. Right. Uh, but I do quite well uh, if, you know, up the top two or, or three sometimes. I mean, it, when I went head to head with the. Uh, John McAfee, uh, I think I took came out like 73% on top. And then on two separate polls, head to head with Justin Amash, um, I think I did 59%. And um, so there is uh, an undeniable wave of support. Um, am I the presumptive nominee? I don't suspect that I am. I would, I would not be so presumptuous uh, to claim to be the presumptive nominee. Um uh, but I and of course, oh, my internet connection is unstable. My computer is telling me. Uh, but you know, I do believe that there are several solid arguments why I would and could be the, the best uh, candidate for the Libertarian Party. And I've, and there are indeed concerns and reservations and arguments against. And I am certainly uh, open. I, I I entertain these and, and attempt to address these concerns and i believe i've uh, tried to uh, can address some of them earlier right um so it's it's really up to the party up to the convention delegates uh to decide whether that they want to go this route i mean granted it is a bold crazy wild idea but it's just so crazy it just might work or it may feel miserably, um, but we who will know? Who will know unless we try? And right. so once again, um, you know, I don't have a, a vested interest. I, I don't, you know, I've been doing this so long. I, you know, I'm not seeking power. I don't want to be or have consolidate power in the Libertarian Party. I, I don't want to control it or, or you know, any of these things. I am simply making an offer. I'm putting my offer on the table. Um, you know, I will work for you, you know, if you want to use me in this capacity. Now, of course, you know, I, I'm trying to stack the delegates much like any other candidate, because that's simply the way it's done. Of course. And uh, we'll just see how successful it is. And uh, I, I, you know, people like to um, play these political games, political nerds. You know, I mean, right. they are nerds. Political geeks are one of my longest running audiences, quite frankly. I mean, people who follow politics have known about me more than uh, a lot of other people. I mean, they so, they they pay attention to these things. They they know what's going up in New Hampshire. Right. Um, you know, in the New Hampshire primary, um, it's true. I have come in third uh, against Obama when he was incumbent. I came in fourth uh, in 2016 on the Democratic slate. Um, when I ran against Obama, I pulled in 1.4% of the primary vote. Um, so obviously there's room for improvement. But once again, that was uh, uh, an imaginary campaign. Uh, if we run it for real, I think we can really pump up the numbers. Um, I think we could do it, especially if uh, everybody gets behind it. 
So you know, I, I am the pragmatic candidate. I mean, right. uh, I think uh, a number obviously. of uh, pragmatists. Obviously, uh, obviously the pragmatic candidate. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that uh, a, a number of pragmatists are understanding that, uh, pragmatically speaking, um, that sure, I, I stand a legitimate chance, uh, more so than some of uh, perhaps reaching that golden five uh, percent. So you basically just answered all but one of my many follower questions. Like I had all these listed and you pretty much, I think you might've had access to my notes because you were basically answering all of them. But there, there's, there's one more, which, which gives credence to the idea that you exist in all time uh, uh, planes and, and universes. So, um, but so there's this one question you did seem to miss, uh, which someone said, uh, you've been doing this for so long. We all know you're basically the Tom Brady of American, modern American politics. Uh, but do you think there will be a point when you decide to pass your boot on to the next generation or are you in this for as long as you're here? Oh, I, I think I've got a few good, uh, runs left in me for sure. 24 is right around the corner. 28, <laughs> uh, my original projections, uh, I was basing them on, uh, America's slow decline, and my slow uh, rise, and I knew they would be somewhere. And uh, my my guess had always been that it was going to be around 2036 uh, is when I would reach the White House. Uh, however, I've had to revise this uh, given my current popularity in uh, in the Libertarian Party. Um, and, and, you know, I know it's a real campaign because um, I am receiving a lot of opposition. And so that that can that only shows how real it is that people are so – uh, strongly opposed and actively opposed to it. Right. Uh, but once again, I, I hope to win these people over. And if I can't win them over, I, and a, a number, um, I have asked a number of people, you know, I mean, I know you will not support me in the, uh, decision, but if I am the libertarian nominee, will you support me? And generally they have said yes. And, if, uh, if, if you were to, let's just, devil's advocate sake of argument you were not to get the libertarian party nomination and you were offered the vice president slot by democratic nominee marianne williamson would you accept it i would have to think about that for okay. sure okay it would, it, would, it would be quite an entertaining larf uh, that's true okay thank you vermin so i i know i gotta let you go soon i have one more segment uh called final my fellow americans uh, which is basically, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, which is not nearly enough time, but I'm going to give you a series of policy positions that I personally hold near and dear, and you will tell me yes or no if you'll add them to your list of campaign promises or not. How's that sound? Well, is it a? I can say it, but not actually do it. Correct. I mean, you, I, mean you I can say yeah, sure, that's a great idea. You can absolutely, you, you, you can absolutely, you can absolutely promise whatever you want to promise. Uh, so, thirty seconds on the clock. Good luck, and I will start now. Arm all prison inmates. <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, make every eighth weekday a paid federal holiday. Uh, absolutely, it goes to a metric. Uh, my concept of metric time. Yes, no, no, keep going. Okay, price caps for sex workers. I don't know about that. What okay. the market will bear, baby. What the market will bear. Okay. Blame the housing crisis on Bob Villa. Ooh. Oh, Bob, Bob Villa. Villa? Hell yeah. Okay. Gay heroin for toddlers. What What do I look like? Uh, Austin Peterson or something? Uh, free cheesy bread with the purchase of any federal explosives permit. Absolutely. Okay. Kill all the remaining honeybees. 
Only if we can replace him with robot bees. Okay. Dehumanize anyone named Jeff. Uh, would that include Jeffrey? Sure. Yeah, okay. Okay. 50%. In what, in what way? They, they, they won't be human anymore? Well, we're just going to not treat them like they're human. What will we treat them like? They're ponies? I, we can create a new subhuman standard for Jeffs. Well, dogs, people treat dogs really nice. Am I right? Yes, yeah. I mean, if, if Jeff was your dog, you'd treat him really nice, yeah? I would I would, lo- I would treat Jeff like I treat my dog like I treat my dog like my own. Right. I mean, he, 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 Jeff would be subhuman, but you'd still feed him and care for him and take him out on walks and stuff, right? Gilded cages for Jeff. Okay, 50% tariffs on anything from Cleveland. That sounds fair. Okay. Uh, and then the final one, which is the official platform of Muddied Waters Media, uh, legalizing recreational plutonium. Well, what else would you use it for? Ah, exactly. Exactly. So, Vermin, thank you again for coming on. This has been everything. I hoped it would be in more. I hope to have you on again soon. I know I need to let you go, but before I let you go, I just want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts, anything you thought we didn't get a chance to discuss, anything upcoming that you want to promote, like, for example, the Libertarian Dad Bod calendar, anything else that you want to say, Vermin Supreme, the floor is yours. Uh, well, yes. Friends, the switch to a pony-based economy will revolutionize the way America does business. Ponies create American jobs. Ponies will revitalize America. Ponies are a green transportation solution. They produce usable methane gas. They will lower our dependence on foreign oil. They are an abundant source of pony-based fertilizer, and they are the future of America. They are delicious. They are cute. They are recyclable. In summation, free ponies for all, no new taxes, and economic prosperity for all uh together we will ride our ponies into a zombie powered future thank you i'm vermin supreme i hope you'll read my new book i pony blueprint for a new america lots of good illustrations visit my campaign website we have uh bumper stickers we have glitter ties we have a little uh buttons with my face on it How, how funny are those um in any case, uh, I'll, I'll see y'all at the convention. I'll see you at your uh, state conventions. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, once again, I'm not a lunatic. I merely portray <laughs> one on the internet, and I'm willing to uh, play that uh, for you, the Libertarian Party of America. Peace. Are you coming to Florence in November, Florence, South Carolina? Um, I am working on that. That's a, that would be November 2nd. That's a debate. It's a very interesting question. Um, I believe that I have achieved all the uh, benchmarks. I, I think I've raised enough money to be in there. Okay. However, they, there is something about their address code and, uh, they are specifically trying to prohibit, um, uh, prop clothing and I forget this, something about headwear. Um, so I'm a little concerned that uh, my religious freedoms might be abridged a, a or uh, my ability to freely express myself with a boot on my head. So uh, there's a, there's a few things that I'm, I'm going I have to work out with uh, okay. Mr. Flood, the state chair. I just dropped him a note, in fact. And uh, but uh, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully so. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm going to talk with my SCLP people because I'm, I'm muddy waters are going to be the the official 
uh, promoters and podcasters at that event. And I uh, did not know that. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, yeah. talk to my people. So yeah, uh, it's, it's check, check, get back to me on that. Will you? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get back to you on that. Cause that's the first I've heard of that, but Vermin, thank you again. I'm going to talk to you really briefly during the outro. So give me one second guys. Thanks you again. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of my fellow Americans. I hope that this was as edifying an experience as it was for me and for my, my, my friend Vermin. Uh, we don't have an episode of the writer's block or Mr. America, the bearded truth this week. Uh, but be sure to tune in next week on Tuesday uh, for the next episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where uh, Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events with the the joy and, and reverence of a sweet summer boy. And then uh, I'm actually not going to be uh, here uh, next week for my fellow Americans. I will be uh, out of town doing some other very large, very Jewish thing. Uh, but uh, be sure to tune in the following week, and I'm sure I will be back with yet another exciting and amazing guest. So guys, thank you again for tuning in to my fellow Americans and God bless you. Why?